Welcome to Service Sharp. This is a podcast all about service now. We'll be talking strategy, architecture, technology, and everything service now. This podcast is not affiliated with service now. The opinions expressed are our own. We're just people that are very passionate about the platform. Join us for every episode. All right, welcome back. This is Jason Gibson with Service Sharp. I have Randy Haas, Brent Peters, and Kathy Sullivan on the phone uh, today. Um, we're all working remotely from our houses, so if you hear some sort of you know child noise in the background or some something going on, we apologize. Um, but today we're going to be talking about CMDB. We're going to go a little deeper than uh, the last time. Uh, we're actually going to be going into uh, a little bit into the structure of it. Uh, and with that, I'm going to turn it over to Brent to kind of do uh, a little bit of a walkthrough. Okay. Um, we were going to start out by, you know, just kind of talking about the structure, the tables, that kind of stuff. So, uh, CMDB consists of, out of the box at least, 700, 790 tables. <laughs> kind of overwhelming. Yeah. But uh, you have your configuration item, and then everything kind of goes off of that. And uh, each class or um, subclass, I can't think of a better word, has mm -hmm. their own ex uh, table. And some of those extend off of other tables and so on. Um, so they just keep extending and everything. So your configuration item uh, is going to be the base and then it, one of the bases. And then it goes from there. And uh, each table has its own uh, columns or own fields. Um, but like uh, Windows Server. So I'll, I'll pick on that. So on Windows Server you have this schema that shows up. So you have your mm -hmm. base configuration item. Uh, then you have your configuration item. Then that's part of hard. Then you have hardware. Then you have the computer server and the Windows server. So these are all the tables that go together to consist of a Windows server. And, and they're in the CMDB. They're all related together, right? So you have your CI, which which is the configuration item. You've got, and it kind of, um, if you would, goes in a, um, you know, each there are things that attach to it or tables that are associated with it. I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, that kind of walks through, walk down into more specific information about that configuration item right right so uh your base you have your base item and then uh you have your configuration item and uh, all those those are fields that are common across all of your ci's and then you have hardware items so all the hardware items have columns or fields however you want to look at it that are related to every hardware so the further down the chain you get with like windows server and server the more specific you get to that type of device um and the closer you get back down to the base configuration item, the broader it gets because those are saving across all of your classes um so you you might have um on on uh 
on one table, you might have serial number and that comes across all of them. But on like Windows Server, you have patching level because not everything underneath there needs a Windows patching level or something like that. So you could have specific uh, fields this way that are to a specific type of device that you want or class. So, okay. all right. And everything stems from the CMDB table. Now the CMDB table is that base table is that for first one there. Yes. So every, everything starts there. Um, and would you say that each of these are classes? So that you have your base configuration, your configuration items, and then your classes. I would, um, I'm trying to think that one out, but for the most part, yes. Yep. Your classes are going to be off of that. Um, some classes are more generic than others, but yeah. We'll go. Okay. Yep. So uh, this is just looking at the schema. Uh, over here, we were looking at the tables. So you'll have all your tables and everything. Uh, so like I said, there's a bunch of them and they also extend off of other tables. So you can see those extensions, that kind of stuff. Um, there is also in uh, ServiceNow, you would go to configuration and you have all your configuration um, set up and stuff here. And then down below you have your classes. So you have your applications, your servers, your computers, your clusters, all that kind of stuff. So these are all your, your out-of-the-box classes. I am using a personal dev, so this is an out-of-the-box setup. Um, so it just gets all that information and can be stored in these tables. Uh, one way to kind of look at how these things are kind of set up is the uh, CI class manager. And from here, you can see the hierarchy. So you would see all kinds of different configuration items and different types and all. So if we go down here and we go to hardware, because we knew Windows Server was under hardware, then we can go to computer, server, and then there's Windows Server down here. I'm picking on those because I'm more familiar <laughs> with that stuff. So from here, you can see your basic info. What is right. the display name? Uh, I would recommend, and I recommend this all the time, stay out of the box with this kind of stuff, but mm -hmm. there you could change it. Please don't. Uh, you can do your description. So you could put a more descriptive description in there, that kind of stuff. Uh, your attributes are going to be your fields. So these are the attributes to Windows servers. And don't go crazy with this. Try and stay, no. again, as close to out of the box as possible. Um, I see too many people uh, start adding way too many without the thought of what are we going to do with this information. So if you're going to be adding those attributes, really think about what you're going to track and why you need that in there. Because yep. if you don't need it in there, don't put it in there. Right. Like we said what in the, the last one. Yeah. Uh, you're about to cover it. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, derived is things uh, – all is going to be, you know, all your fields. Derived is what's derived out of the system. Uh, there are 106. And so they either come from uh, the Windows server or the computer or the server table or the hardware or so on. So all those are in there. Um, before you, like Jason was saying, before you add any, make sure you don't already have it in there. It could be that it's just not showing in the form. So go look for that. Make sure stuff's in there. I mean, they have a lot of 
almost anything that you'd want to have pretty much mm-hmm. out of the box for the most part. And then uh, you can always add more. Um, but, you know, like he said, you have that. Uh, identification rules are a little um, a little bit different, but uh, pretty much uh, you can do your identification rules or you can, uh, you can do the lookup, that kind of stuff in here. So this is kind of the priority of that stuff. Um, so how would you use identification rules and I was hoping you weren't really, I'm not real familiar with these. So sure, sure. Those, um, now I know the, I know the, the okay, game. I see what it is. These, this is what you're going to go off of to get your unique, um, unique systems. So if you're pulling data in or you're pulling Discovery, most likely it's going to be discovery or something like that. These are the fields or the attributes that it's going to go off of um, to make sure that there aren't, that they are unique and that you're not going to have um, duplicates. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So, and it helps kind of when you're like the normalization rules kind of thing. Yes. Really broad, though. It is really broad, but it does help when looking at uh, duplicate remediation. Yes. Yes, it does. Uh, Where it does not help is if you have two different systems coming in, like Discovery and um, an outside source, and Discovery sees (laughs) it as a Windows server, and your outside source just sees it as a a, a wrong server like Linux or something. And you try to do that. It's going to have some issues with that stuff, but that's a, that's a different topic. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then you have your uh, suggested um, relationships. These relationships are uh, out of the box. Um, a lot of them are because of how discovery is going to work, that kind of stuff. But if you, it's kind of hard to see, I'll zoom in a, a little bit, but like, a Windows server is going to have an IP connection. It's going to depend on things. It's going to have possibly be a a, a cluster. Uh, you can put it. You can relate it to business services, uh, racks, circuits, that kind of stuff. So these are the suggested relationships. Uh, as in most places, you have the option of adding new relationships. If you have a relationship that's not one of these. Uh, out of the box, you can always add one in there. I, I will say that it, it is really important to try and keep these relationships clean and to try and keep these relationships to the recommended type of relationships for the class. Yes. Because if if not, what you end up doing um, is having an extremely confusing map of your systems. Um, we... Uh, have seen customers come in and do runs on on every single relationship. Well, that that really doesn't tell you anything about your systems. If everything is runs on, you know, you have to have runs on, depends on. You have to have different relationships um, and stay with the ones that are recommended for each one of the classes because they really are well thought out and and they do make good sense. Right. Um, and I, I personally can't think of any where I've had to add any because they've always had them in there, but right. uh, you could do it. I would recommend trying to stay, like you said, out of the box. I would also, 
like you were saying, recommend don't use the same one for every single thing. Use them for what they really are for, not, you know, everything runs on the server when it's really, um, you know, the, the server, the rack doesn't run on the server. The rack is installed or the server's installed on the rack, that kind of stuff. So, okay. Um, this is also, and we can go into, you know, uh, CMDB health a lot later. Uh, <laughs> cause but well, this there's is a, a lot to it, thing, yeah. but this is also where you can set up, you know, your completeness, what defines a complete windows server in your, in your instance, uh, compliance. So you can say, if it doesn't, if this isn't updated or this doesn't meet this criteria, you can make it not compliant. Uh, the correctness, what has to be filled out uh, and and everything, what makes it an orphan rule, that kind of stuff. And then your uh, inclu- health inclusion rules, this is where you would add those also. Um, in fact, you would want it to do whichever ones you have set up. Um, also from this view, oh, was there anything else? Yeah, I was just going to say, on the compliance, uh, when you set those rules up and something falls out of compliance, what does that do? What that will do is, um, I mean, in theory, I guess you could set up notifications, that kind of stuff, but there's a uh, CMDB view that the config managers yeah. or the, yeah, the CMDB managers can look at and see the compliance, they can see the correctness. It also runs a duplication um, health, so it come up and tell you, hey, you have... 23 windows server duplicates and you can go reconcile those, that kind of stuff. It's really a great dashboard to, to have if you're on that portion of it. Um, Kathy, did you get a chance to use the CMDB dashboard at all? Yeah, I did. Um, but it wasn't, it was whenever it was first brought into service now pretty early on. And these, this can type of configuration was a lot more complicated, I guess, than it used to be uh, or than it is here. I think that the way that this is done now, it's really it's easier to visualize what it is that your um, different parameters are for how you want to define all of your health settings. Um, so I haven't used it in this format. It was all we kind of had to define it and then have it and then get it configured and it just uh it's it sometimes whenever you just couldn't for- see it less it was a lot harder to know that what you were getting right yeah and it's a really hard dashboard to set up honestly compared to some of the other dashboards there were yeah. there is some dependencies you have to turn on and there's some you know we could honestly we could do an entire hour of how do you turn on and configure your dashboard so it, yeah. it is it is not a it, about turning the plugin on and just hey you got it you have to configure the reports you have to set up some some basic rules to yep. make the decisions of what those things are but overall i think it's uh, especially in the new york version it's actually pretty cool yeah well i think that the a lot of that configuration is necessary because each organization is going to have their own unique set of values that they need to define to what do they think is important. You know, you got your base stuff, but beyond that, what do you think makes a CI complete? 
Right, right. Right. Because some people might think, okay, I have to have um, the memory on the server has to be a certain value. And if it changes one way or the other, I need to know. Or um, if the IP ever changes, I need to know that. Some people might have DHCP set up for their server, so they don't care. And that kind of stuff. So, yeah, you have to kind of take it into account how your CMDB needs to be structured or what's required and when. Yeah. And your hardware people may want something different than, say, your change managers Yep. Um, from what it is that they think needs to be in a configuration item if that drives anything within change. And it probably does. Mm-hmm. Yep. So there's discussions along that go along with configuring. Yeah, <laughs> yes. for sure. Um, and also from here, you can click on the CI list and it'll show you your current Windows servers and all that stuff. So here's all my demo server um, demo records. So um, that that's kind of a the class, CI class manager in a nutshell. Um, like I said earlier, there you can drill down to any of the classes that are out there and start looking at the same stuff. Um, but that's just kind of an overview of how the the, the Windows Server one looks like. Uh, it is very interesting, the, the fact that you can go in here, you can look at the relationship, you can look at the attributes. But when you're setting up a CMDB new, and you're just starting, and you don't know what is what, and you're just starting to figure it out, this is a great place to go to see what out-of-the-box looks like. And right, so you can see what fields, what... Mm-hmm. what is the relationships are and all that kind of stuff. Yes, it is a very good place to start. Right. And, and it helps you also know now who do I go talk to? So, you know, it's the Windows server, so I'm going to have to go talk to the team that supports the Windows servers. But here is my basic structure. I know what's what should be there. Now I'm going to go talk to them, tell them what there's the, that the capability is, what's there, and – hopefully not have them go crazy, but ask their input from that, from that point on. Um, and again, not doing all of the things that they say necessarily, uh, or not all the things that they want, but, um, at least having those conversations are, are great. It, keep it simple <laughs> to start out with. Um, just because the windows server has 106 fields, available doesn't mean you use them all uh, use what you need and uh, you can always expand from there but there's no reason to track things that are never going to be used in my opinion at least yeah you're right you're right yeah I agree. Um, and even if you can and a lot of stuff when you start doing integrations you're going to get stuff that just comes in um, don't be afraid to omit it if it's not valuable to you. Um, but if it is valuable to you, that you can find a way to get the data. Everything in here is pretty, pretty reasonable. There's nothing that really goes outside the norm. Um, and if you're trying to do things like bringing in external or additional classes, go look on uh, on ServiceNow's site because there are extended tables that you can load. There is uh, uh, extended tables for that you can load, load the plugins for, for things like um, oh, conference room equipment and um, you know other extended tables. So go look there first mm-hmm. before you start creating your own classes. Yeah. Um, 
So, all right. So real quick, let's take a quick break. I really have no idea how long we've been going on, but we need to hear from our sponsor at some point. So now is as good a time as any. When we come back, we will continue to talk about CMDB and uh, the table structure and how we manage our classes and uh, maybe talk a little bit about, you know, building that out or adding classes as we need to. So hang on just a minute. We'll be right back. All right. Welcome back. This is Jason Gibson, Randy Haas, Brent Peters, and Kathy Sullivan. We are all here talking about CMDB, uh, and we are really glad to have everybody here with us. Um, so I, the next thing I wanted to talk about, is, now that we've gotten kind of the basic understanding of how the CMD is put together, what have you guys seen in practice? What are people asking to add? Are they asking for additional classes? What, what are you seeing the most benefit out of, out of the CMDB as far as that's concerned and, and what are people really asking for? Service mapping? <laughs> Depends on your level. Um, I, I mean, I think that it's really good for any operations. They really want to see those relationships, which Discovery does really well. Um, if you're using Discovery, uh, other tools, if you can import it in from other uh, discovery options or discovering type tools, network scanning tools, I guess I should use that term. Um, then they're really, it's really great to have that kind of information because I don't know when every time I've worked in it before service now, there's always like this mystery of, well, what is that server connected to? <laughs> and, and then whenever you go make a change, nobody really knows what your impact is. Um, and then suddenly your entire network's down and you're like, and nobody can do anything and you just have a complete waste of a day because your entire business has been uh, impacted by this pretty critical change and nobody right. really knew what was there. So I really think that from an, Oh, you know, the best thing that the CMDB really has to offer is those relationships and understanding those relationships is really important because sometimes it might get a little confusing as to how service now tends to word things. It looks like, like you were saying earlier, people want to build out the same relationships and they use runs on over and over and over again. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, okay, well, that's cool, but that doesn't really tell you the truth about what it really looks like. And so I think that having that, the understanding of the relationships and really getting people around it was, is uh, the most beneficial thing that you can get out of the CMDB. Now, do you, do you think that the business side leadership um, and IT leadership get equally as much benefit out of the service mapping? Uh, I think that, mm, uh, I I think they want to believe that they do. <laughs> um, I think if you do it right, they can. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. It, it's it's really challenging though because um, the the biggest part that I've always seen people struggle with is well the first thing you have to do whenever you're define whenever you start doing service mapping is what define a service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like okay, well, what do you want your services to be? Well, what does that mean? And it's, you start going down this rabbit hole of trying to 
and then they they make it too granular it's like all right you know and at least in my exposure to service mapping one of the biggest things they say is pick your top 10 right mm-hmm. right what are your top 10 and then whenever you get those built out look at your data can you get more granular? Do you want to get more granular? What else do you want to add? And then take it in baby steps. You know, you don't, you can't drink in one sitting. And that's exactly what you'll do if you try to take on all of discovery and all of service mapping and all of configuration management in one sitting. Yeah, yeah you can't, it, it's, yeah, it's a water hose, right? Mm-hmm. A fire hose. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna drown <laughs> yeah i've always heard you can't boil the ocean so yeah. Uh, yeah yeah i like that i like that yeah um but yeah i mean you if you take it in baby steps and you really kind of try to put a lot of thought into your service mapping and really bring in a team that understands it, that can help your team to better understand it, then those are the types of things that there are a lot of um, people that, you know, bring other people in to help us with service mapping. What do we need to do? And then they realize that it's not as, you know, discovery does a lot, but it can't do everything for you Mm -hmm. because discovery can't tell you what's important to you. Yeah, right. Well, and you know how many times that I have gone to an organization and said, okay, you need service mapping there. You know, we really do, but that is so much work. It is. And then we have to talk to people. And yeah. We, <laughs> IT, we don't talk. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like, well, 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 we, yeah, but you get great business inside. They're like, yeah, but is it really worth it? I mean, we have to actually get with our leadership and get decisions made. <laughs> You know, yeah. and it really is that kind of thing, and it's tough. It is. It is right. It is and, tough. and you pointed out discovery. Discovery is only going to figure out your physical and some virtual uh, relationships and CIs. Your services and stuff like that, your business is going to have to define those for you. Yeah, but even whenever you're, you know, picking your entry points and then letting it mm-hmm do its thing, it's going to go out there and it's going to find everything, right? Just like Discovery does. And it's going to pull in all of those relationships into your map. You have to go out there and be like, okay, yeah, but that might be connected to that, but we don't really need to see it in this service map. Right. Uh, And those are things that you have to get people like, and I know that that's a a (laughs) four-letter word in IT. He's like, oh my God, it sucks people. But um, <laughs> you have to get people that know the networks and understand their systems to be able to put give input on that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I think it's extremely valuable. I, I think it is extremely worth every bit of effort that you put into it for just the fact that you get great oversight. What do you guys think? Do you think it's worth the the, the effort to go ahead and have those conversations and do the, the whole service mapping uh, project? I, I believe it is, but, you know. We're all preaching to the choir right now. Right. Yeah. yeah I think yeah. we all believe that. Uh, I can't speak for everybody. I just think that, though. Um, I mean, it, it just depends. Do you 
want to get value out of your investment or <laughs> you want to get more value you can yeah, still do you want to get value, value out just yeah. you want to get more value yeah. yeah i think in our last session somebody said that service now is the like poster child for you got to spend money to make money right yeah, yeah. <laughs> And that's what service mapping really says to me. I mean, your return on investment for how much time it takes to be able to get it right is it's not a small number. Mm-hmm. Um, and the number of people that have to be involved in the duration of the project, it would, it would be, it would be very intensive. Is it worth it? I mean, I think so. I think that that's something that most businesses can't say that they have is an, a value, an understanding of how technology supports the business. And I think that with what service mapping helps IT do is it helps the business to realize IT is not that cost center. IT is what supports all of this. And mm-hmm. without tech, we don't have any of it. But isn't that one thing that our leadership is supposed to be doing all the time? We're supposed to be going to the business and saying, here's here's what we have to offer you and this is how we're supporting you i mean it's the responsibility of of it to take that to the business side and there to the leadership and say okay so this is how we're supporting yeah, you i agree i i agree and it's uh, it's and service mapping helps with those types of things because visualizations are great when because you could say it all day but what service mapping does is shows it Right. And it puts yeah. data behind it and it, it makes, you know, it, it shows it to somebody and says, this is how we're providing value. And yeah, keep this in mind. Bridge that gap. Here's what else. Mm-hmm. Yep. Tech mumbo jumbo and you know, yep. business expectations. Yeah. So I think it's very, it's very valuable ammo to give to your, uh, to your leadership. Yeah. But be careful because it shows everything. it's going to show how you're supporting it, but it's also going to show if there are 47, I mean, if if it's mapped out correctly, it's also going to show the negative, the negative that you have too, and areas to improve and things to that effect. But that's good too, because as a leader, you need to know what areas you need to improve in. Uh, And if you don't know that, you can't make the improvement. I always, my wife always gets onto me sometimes because I'll get a, a steak and it won't be cooked right and I send it back or I'll have something, you know, bad and I tell the manager. But I don't ever tell the manager in malice and I'm never rude about it. I just simply want them to know because I feel like if, if leadership doesn't know what's going on, they can't fix it. And it's no different with this. If, if the leadership doesn't know where it needs to adjust, it can't adjust. And it's and, and, and it betters the entire organization. And if you better the entire organization, you make that job that person's worried about more stable. And, you know, you can hire more. You can you can grow. I mean, there's so many benefits to having that st- stability that it outweighs any temporary discomfort for saying that we're lacking in this one area. Well, I think that, I mean, just to follow up on that, people need to get out of the mindset of, I only want to see good news because the best way to improve your service is to find out faster what's going wrong. 
Right. And, and the faster you can find out what's going wrong and the faster you can measure what your changes are doing to improve that situation, the better and better you get. You know, it's like if you try to sharpen a knife, um, you, ha- you have to take a layer of, of off every time you move uh, the, the stone across the metal. And if you don't, then it's never going to get sharp. It's always going to be dull. And that's the same thing with, with your IT organization. If everybody sticks their head in the sand and pretends like there's no problems when uh, it's unrealistic whatsoever for there not to be any problems, uh, then nothing ever gets better. It, 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 things continue to get worse. And so it's, it's best to confront issues head on it's best to go looking for them to be honest exactly but it's also very important how you sharpen the knife if you put the knife directly in a 90 degree angle and run it across the stone you you know you're not sharpening the stone you know you're you're not sharpening the knife you're ruining the knife so coming in with a heavy hand or you know how you go about sharpening that stone or, or, or refining your organization is as important as knowing where your gaps are. So it's, it's knowing where your gaps oh, are and, and, and moving it in the correct direction. And if you need help with this, I know these guys, they sponsor <laughs> this podcast. They can help you. <laughs> yep. So, sorry, and, I had to get and- the more that you can identify that kind of stuff and the faster you can identify that kind of stuff, um, the quicker you can fix it. A lot of times uh, down the road, you can start catching that stuff before the customers even notice anything. Yeah, exactly. And, and all, and a CMDB and the relationships and all that stuff just helps you identify that stuff a lot quicker. And yeah. If you're going to move away from being a reactive organization, I, unless you only have two computers in your organization, I think you pretty much have to invest in doing some sort of CMDB. Well, and I got to tell you, one of my favorite sayings, I, I heard that from a, um, a leadership coach um, that simply do more of the important and less of the urgent. We're trying to move away from everything being on the urgent side and, and doing more of the important. Well, the important stuff are, are identifying these uh, areas in these gaps and doing the service mapping and all those, those are important things to be able to manage your, your IT organization better. So building things, these things out and getting them right is the important stuff. You know, yes, you're going to have urgent stuff, but the more of the important stuff you do, the less of the urgent stuff you're going to have. So make time for the important stuff and make it a priority or all you're going to be doing is fighting fires. Yeah, we're not firefighters. No, no, no. I'm not built for it. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, fighting fires all the time is like a. I mean, if that's a great way to burn out your staff. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Great awesome. way to burn out your staff, burn up your goodwill, um, reduce your budget, get laid off. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So if you had one takeaway from this podcast, uh, and I'm going to start with you, Kathy, one takeaway from this podcast, what would it be? What do you want people to take away from this? I want people to have, I I want people to realize that um, building out a CMDB requires a plan that it requires some t- a lot of time commitment 
that it's not something that you just want to go tell discovery and give, you know, your AD credentials to, and then let it go do its thing without really understanding what it's doing and without really knowing what it is that you're going to get. At least there's a lot of planning that has to go into building a quality CMDB. And I think we hit on that a lot the last time. Mm -hmm. Um, And all of these classes, you know, ServiceNow out of the box has, what do we say, 790 classes. <laughs> well, every, yeah, single, every single new release of ServiceNow, which in case you didn't know, they come out with two of every year, <laughs> yeah. um, usually has more CI classes mm-hmm. uh, with every release that they come out with. So uh, pretty soon in the next couple of years, we're probably going to have up to 1,000. And that's, that's a lot. I mean, there's a lot to building a, a really good CMDB and there's a lot of options out there. And uh, before you start customizing everything, try to, you know, send people to a, a class or have them look on the now learning site to try to do some things, get some training behind them so that whenever you go in to build this, you can come in with a plan. I guess that's the project manager in me that's like, we need to really kind of know <laughs> what we're getting into so that we don't have to come back. And like a lot of people end up doing in a few years are like, this is completely useless. I can't use this at all. And then they end up deleting it and starting over. Exactly. Exactly. I think he muted himself again. He did. Uh, yeah, I, I did. I actually was was uh, trying to tell my my daughter was actually coming up to try and get oh, in okay. the video. Um, so. <laughs> the uh, the one thing I, I would agree. I mean, I wholeheartedly agree with everything Kathy said. But um, I'm also planning is is key to this. I, I want people to know that you have to plan all of this out before you start building things and just throwing things in there. Like she said, um, the best implementations I've seen is, you know, they had workshops up front to get everybody to buy in and say, yes, this is what we need to have. No, we don't need that. Or let them bicker back and forth on what needs to be stored and where and that kind of stuff and get that stuff all planned out and then build it and start putting things in. Um, yeah, I, I, I have been in the in an implementation where they just turned on discovery and filled up the database. It's not good. Yeah. <laughs> I've had, yeah. Always a fun one, yeah. isn't it? Oh yeah. It's like now what, right? Now what? What do we do with all of this junk, right? So yeah. Uh, and I would echo everything that that Brent and Kathy said. That it's so there's there's a lot of power. There's a lot of benefit to be derived from from doing the project, but it's definitely worth being honest with yourself and saying, okay, if I don't understand really what the CMDB is, bring someone in that does. And, mm-hmm. and at least for the planning process, they don't have to do the implementation necessarily, but helping set all those things out that this is what needs to be in. And this is, you don't need this, you know, cause what we talked about earlier is, uh, you, you know, you don't need every single field, you know, filled out. You don't need all 600 attributes filled out to get a lot of power and a lot of benefit out of things. So, um, you know, take the time, Take the time to do it right and, and uh, be honest with yourself about what your capabilities are with, with doing it. Well, yeah, absolutely. something else to point out to people whenever you're building it is every attribute you put on a class is something that has to be audited and looked at every so often to make sure that mm-hmm. it's been updated. And it is things that you have to update. Some things you cannot 
up, I mean, some custom fields that are people are going to want in there, you cannot update automatically through a scan or that kind of stuff. So yeah. someone will have to touch it. So that is it, something to keep my in recommendation. Mind I hate to say this. It's 700 different tables, more than 700 different tables, almost 800. And that doesn't include if you add the, the, the packs that extend it. Yep. Yep. Do not get yourself in the position to where you are manually updating a bunch of stuff in the CMDB because I promise you, you will not do it. You've got to get that data from somewhere, whether it's Discovery, SCCM, um, Jamf, whether it's um, uh, you've got uh, SolarWinds, you know, there's a thousand different integrations that could be done to find that information. So go find that information and please do not make it to where you have to manually update 20 or 30 or 40% of your, your CMDB. And all of a sudden, six months from now, it's going to not be useful to you. Right. Um, I think that going back to the planning, uh, you, not, you not only need to plan on <clears throat> this is what it needs to look like to begin with, but from the very beginning, you need to plan for the maintenance of the CMDB mm-hmm. because it is a yep. living thing. It's not a set it and forget it. Yes, as soon as Good that process you need to maintain it. Um, one other thing that I would recommend that I've seen is, and Kathy kind of hinted on this earlier, is let's say there's there's 790 classes right now in the system, and you have this weird class that just came up, um, and you're like, okay, uh, I can put it in there, and I can start doing this. Uh, research your your updates first before you start adding things. Bad, <laughs> uh, um, I don't know. Off the top of my head, let's say thin clients. You add a table to thin clients. Oh, the next upgrade, put it in there. Now you have two tables for thin clients. Yeah. Um, so, kind of research that kind of stuff, and before you do it, and say, hey, you know we can put this off until the next upgrade, which is in two months and then we'll start doing that. So have some discussions about that kind of stuff. Yeah. I was going to mention that earlier and, you know, in one of the things that was brought up whenever you were going through the, uh, the class manager and adding potentially adding new things and Jason and Randy kind of hit on this some too, is that, Whenever you even come close to thinking about adding something to a table that already has almost 200 attributes to it, mm-hmm. um, really, really look, is this really that important? Is it really something that doesn't already fit somewhere else? And how are we going to maintain it? Because if you're using Discovery, unless you're going to customize that too, Discovery is built to populate the fields that are out of the box, right? Yep. And not necessarily all of them, but the ones that it can, Mm. and build those relationships out of the box. It's a very robust tool. And a lot of times we as organizations don't want to adapt to the tools that we buy. And you go spend a whole lot of money on a tool like ServiceNow and then you want to build it to work for you. And then you end up putting yourself in a situation that it's really difficult to do upgrades. And the CMDB is a very crucial part to this tool. Customizing it is, can be debilitating long-term if, if it's over 
overly customized. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Without and, a doubt. And I've always said, it, it goes back to what we keep harping on, is you got to have your process and everything. And mm -hmm. working and defined and all that, I, it doesn't matter if it's seemed to be or if it's incident or problem or change or anything like that. The tool is there to collect to collect the data and to give that data for reporting and audits and that kind of stuff, it's not going to fix your process if you have a broken process. That's right. No tool can fix the broken process. <laughs> yeah, it's going to stay broken. Yeah, you just yeah. get broken things faster. Yes. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. And then you break a tool because you're trying to make it work with a broken right. process. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And that goes with all of them, but CMDB is a very important one to keep that it in is. mind. For sure. I, I, I irritate many managers by saying if you can't do it on paper, you're not going to be able to automate it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, how many times have we just said, hey, guys, would you just define this, please? Because oh, yeah. I, can't, I can't script this if you can't define it. I mean, yeah. You can't even tell me what it is, so how can I help you? <laughs> if oh, you can't do requirements. <laughs> if you can't define it, I'll define it for you. That's right. That's they right. usually don't like that. No, <laughs> no. <they don't. laughs> <laughs> doesn't go over well what do you no. mean you wanted 16 fields i gave you three that were out of the box that's right the that's best right. one is whenever they want 16 conditions off of one oh my step in the process oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if it's this and this and this and i needed to do this but if it's this this and that then i need to <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Also, uh, yeah, and if Jason's on vacation, I needed to go to these other three people. Oh, well, how do I know Jason's on vacation? Right. <laughs> so, so basically, that's our life. It's almost like every implementation we've ever been in, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So, yeah, we, yeah, that's, uh, hmm. Uh, it's uh, kind of depressing to think about. <laughs> But the nice thing is most of the time people understand why you say that is not recommended and decide that they'll take your recommendation if you don't work directly for them. Now, if you work directly for them, uh, that may be a different story. But if you come in as a consultant, they tend to listen a little better. I don't know yeah. why. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Only maybe to your face. Maybe that's true. That's true. That's yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys you you know how much i appreciate you guys coming on here uh and doing this uh with me and i think that we've got a lot of information here uh that is helpful to people that are starting down the process uh to to get this started um kathy it has been a pleasure to have you on here uh we want you to be on here as much as you possibly can okay. so thank you so much for joining no problem thanks for having yes, me thank you no, no problem. Brent, Randy, of course. <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. <laughs> Join the club. Well, I guess yeah, I'm exactly. passionate about service now, so in general. Yeah, I think we're all, we all have our passion for service now, and, mm -hmm. and, and we have, we, the people that are listening to us, um, uh, they also have a passion for service now. So thank you guys, um, and thank you to the listeners. Uh, if you need anything, 
anything or have any questions, we're here to help you. So send us a message, LinkedIn. Um, matter of fact, you, the, if you if you want to go to the Sharpstone page there, I know you saw you had that up, Brent. Uh, you can always go to the website and look at the, look at the uh, podcast there. Uh, this particular one will be on YouTube and um, pretty much anywhere you get a podcast. So feel free to go out there and watch it and take a look at it. Um, if you're listening via audio and uh, uh, again, send us a message if you need something. Thank you for joining us. Thank, thank you. you. All right, guys. Thanks. Bye. We want to thank our flagship sponsor for this show, the Sharpstone Group, LLC. Sharpstone is your source for all of your ServiceNow needs. Implementation, development, administration, strategy, and architecture. Contact the Sharpstone Group today at info at sharpstonegroup.com or 405-594-0100. We'd love to answer your questions or have you on the show. Contact us at servicesharp at sharpstonegroup.com or find our LinkedIn info in the notes. Additional sponsorship opportunities are available.